fly to me, say cheery bye to me, tell me you love me, and then, just when I'm apt to be full of uncertainty, do it over again. All I need is a little love only, something to call back whenever I'm lonely. So run to me, fly to me, say cheery bye to me, just for a moment again. That song is entitled Run to Me, Fly to Me, and it was written and performed by Rod McEwen for the 1968-69-70 movie Joanna, which I saw when it first came out and made an enormous impression on me. But I want to talk about Rod McEwen today. The title is Happy 50th Rod, and what I'm really trying to say is that as Mary and I to sort of take in the um, what we feel is the power and uh, uh, meaning and feel of our 50th anniversary, believe it or not, Rod McEwen has been speaking to me as never before. Now, you're going to sort of turn up your nose or laugh or even say, who the what? Uh, there's a rather um, mean... Uh, review of one of the movies that Rod Kewen provided the music for, in which um, the current critic writes, with some realism, the inexplicably popular Rod McEwen. Now, I'm not going to give a big um, sort of summary of Rod McEwen, um, a little bit, but this is really how, um, what is it about Rod McEwen that spoke to millions of Americans and English speakers elsewhere and right now has sort of catalyzed some deep feelings of my own. What is it about his music, and what can we find in his music, and what can, you know, to you, the living, this mash was meant to? What could you find that would actually speak to your heart at this point in your life, wherever you are? 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, whoever you are, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, whatever your status as a person, as a family person, as a single person, as an emotional person, that's the main thing. As a heart-centered human being, what does Rod McEwen have to say to you? And also, how does it relate ultimately to grace and the great themes of Mockingbird and the gospel, which it does? Now, the... Um, how do I do this so as not to draw attention to my own experience? Because I really don't. When you love a song, it's almost always because it came to you or was played for you or you heard it during a phosphorus moment, a moment of accessibility or vulnerability when your sort of pores, your emotional pores, P-O-R-E-S, were opened in a kind of unmistakable and undeniable way and the music entered <clears throat> as the... Luke Skywalker's Missile Does the Death Start entered a, an unusual um, and limited permeability, and it has always attached itself to whatever was happening in your life, which was important at that permeable emotional moment. Well, um, let us simply say that McEwen became really, really famous um, 
during, uh, really, really received during my late college years and right afterwards. We're talking about 1969, 70, 71, 72 for McEwen. And uh, his music, um, there's something about it that, that touches a nerve that I want to talk about. And it relates to what we're doing with Mockingbird. It relates to um, hearing the Christian message in a way that actually connects with a real person. Now, I frequently go to um, church services, and Mary and I go with a heart open. Always, There's always a need. We're, we're always in need. And um, I was struck after a number of desultory um, experiences hither and yon and all over the place in recent months by the power of what um, Pastor Brad Knight, who spoke um, recently at um, Story Life Church in Apopka, Florida. And um, what was so striking about the way his um, sermon connected, it was highly autobiographical. I would say it was almost confessional, almost to a point that some people would get nervous and some homiletic instructors would say, "You're, you're overdoing the personal transference here to the material, which is biblical. But what um, I was very striking to see that... um, Brad's message was in fact connecting to a very, very, what we today call diverse congregation in every possible way you would use that word. And uh, he was uh, speaking particularly to people in great need. You could just see it. And he spoke to me in need. Uh, What he did was what Kerouac always talked about, and I've constantly talked about it, and René Girard recently talked about it in the meme that we put on the on the web, um, that uh, if the speaker or the preacher gets deep enough within himself or herself, the message almost always connects with other people because it hits that same place in them. In other words, if you are speaking not out of a rational, that is, or a, a, a mental or abstract or um, rational place, but if you are coming from the heart, from the deeper place in you, the hurt, the, the deep feeling side in you, it almost automatically is received by others who receive it at that level. If you speak uh, simply a manuscript or speak uh, teachings, which is the great, great failure of the Reformed uh, tradition, at least as I have experienced it, with many exceptions, many exceptions. But the weakness is, the, the governing assumption is that a sermon is a teaching to create a response in your mind by which you will um, correct a false idea about yourself or about God or about your life and your experience and your tragedy and your pluses as well. And that this uh, taught um, exposition of a scriptural text will correct you and change you. And that's simply not the case. That's not, in most cases, that, that does not happen because we're not reached through our heads. We're reached through our, through our hearts. We're reached through where we really live. And um, so Brad's uh, sermon in which he talked about his own um, occasional moments of despair, really at a very uh, radical way, he did not hide anything. He didn't speak out of turn, but he spoke very, very personally. And yet I noticed as he was speaking that I could identify with what he was saying, which is not to say he didn't have Bible verses and he talked about Jude, Lord knows, and he talked about 1 John and he got 2 Corinthians in there and 1 Corinthians and he, he was very anchored in a, in, a, in a number of Bible passages. But the main thing is the pain that from which he was hearing the promises of God and wishing to and praying to God, the pain from which he was relating to God, 
<coughs> excuse me, this is um, very powerful. And it caused the listener, I saw it in front of the people, with the people with whom I was listening in person, but I heard it, I felt it myself. He's coming to me. Now, but uh, let's go back to Rod McEwen. Rod McEwen um, was a kind of a beatnik uh, San Francisco kind of semi-poet and kind of a little bit of Jack Kerouac, a, a beatnik sort of figure. And then he lost his voice. Uh, he sang badly or in an uncorrected or unhelped way over a number of years, and he sort of lost his voice. But he continued to receive these kind of poems or verses that later on became sort of considered the height of what the world calls kitsch, his his breakthrough um, album and sort of breakthrough uh, meme was called Listen to the Warm. Note, Jim Monroe, that this podcast is dedicated to you, who first introduced me to it. But at the time that we were aware of Listen to the Warm, we just had nothing but contempt for it. We thought it was uh, silly and absurd and uh, mannered almost. It was almost a, a, a kind of a a, a total cliched caricature of what we thought sort of slightly new agey beatnik people with a little bit of this and a little bit of that and a little bit of sort of pseudo religion and a little bit of a popular nun, but then a lot of uh, sort of uh, overstated, grossly overstated, bombastic feelings, uh, all in one syllable and two syllable haikus, you almost might say. We just thought it was for the birds. We heard it, though. We listened to it. And um, at the time, I just remember, although when I saw Joanna in the spring of 1970, the song, I'll Catch the Sun, and never give it back again, which you'll hear at the end of this cast, I'll Catch the Sun, which was the, the lead uh, powerful song in Joanna, which was a kind of ditzy uh, movie, although it was cool because it had some nudity in it, so we were kind of, you know, at 18. Um, but take that aside, uh, the song left an indelible impression. Anyone who ever heard the song, I Catch the Sun, uh, with his strange voice, was oddly touched by it. Now, that comes to the key thing about Rod McEwen. I mean, I could talk about his famous classic song, Seasons in the Sun, which was a number one song sung by another performer in the <clears throat> um, late 60s, early 70s. I could talk about Natalie. I could talk about Jean, Jean, roses are red. Uh, number one song. I could talk about um, uh, the songs in Joanna. I could uh, talk about, oh, there, there are a bunch. Um, uh, love's been good to me. <laughs> and then he kind of retired to a kind of rural retreat forever, and people didn't understand him, and was he this or was he that, and what was his identity? And he said once about religion that he's been in different forms in his life, a Baptist, a Methodist, a Lutheran, a Quaker, a Buddhist. I mean, he went through all the things. He was really, um, this is the point. He was on the edge. He was on the edge. He was sort of at the crossover point between that which is normal, <clears throat> or at least what we think of as normal emotional response, and that which is a little bit hung up, or a little bit weird, or a little bit crazy. So his songs in a his made-for-television movie, which is astonishingly powerful, people say, oh, it's dated. Well, it's dated in certain practical respects, but in its fundamentals, the television movie Lisa Bright and Dark 
1973. I don't think it's ever been released on on DVD. It is so good. And yet, it's about a, a teenage girl who is psychotically disturbed. It's about mental illness. It's not about neurosis. It's about mental illness. <clears throat> and all of his um, songs are sort of one track or one short distance away from normal uh, but uh, deeply uh, increased states of feeling to abnormal ones. And that's the secret. The secret of McCune is that he touches emotionally on borderline feelings that are exaggerated, and yet that's the way we feel. Everybody who's ever <clears throat> thought about ending their own life or been suddenly deeply in love with another person in the full romantic, youthful sense of that word, and not so youthful, heart sense, anyone who's been filled with total feelings of despair and sorrow and such that life has not been good good to you. Um, and that can happen when you're 14, and it can also happen when you're 74, uh, will be ministered to um, Rod McEwen's songs. He's sort of on the edge, and that's what we have to learn from him. And that's what uh, Brad's sermon... Brad's sermon was on the edge of human lostness in such a way, and yet... Um, ultimately traveling to a place of hope and uh, promise and belief in the grace and forgiveness of God, but always um, always rooted in real uh, tragic feeling. So it gives, uh, you may think I'm overdoing it with Rod McEwen, but I'm not. I mean, how do you explain the fact that millions and millions and millions and millions of people, your mother or father, or maybe you, have Rod McEwen books in there, but in a box up in the attic. They have Rod McEwen's uh, uh, records. They just do. <laughs> they, they may not want to admit it. And I, you know, listen to the warm. Jim Monroe and I just tuned out, and in many ways, rightly so. But then, you know, there's Joanna, and all of a sudden you're dealing with a young woman who is deeply troubled and causes enormous personal carnage all around her, and especially with men, let alone herself. And finally, the movie, which is rooted in really the death of someone else, not Joanna, an aristocrat who's played by Donald Sutherland, who plays it brilliantly. It's a very sad movie. The, the, um, the song, uh, I'll Catch the Sun, is really about loss. He says, I'll never give it back again. Well, he, <laughs> we may catch the sun when we're 14 or 18 or 24, but we almost always have to give it back again. I mean, you, what I'm saying is that listen to Rod McEwen and you're on in a borderline, in a, in a borderland. Now, remember that Outer Limits episode? I think it was the third episode, maybe the fourth, but not the fifth in the first season of Outer Limits in 1963. Um, the... Uh, the borderland. There's this borderland. I've encountered the borderland recently in relation to dead people. Uh, I, I, even just this weekend, I received a, a wonderful letter from someone that came, I would have almost said, from the borderland of human experience, really from grief, someone who was mourning someone that they loved. And the grief was so touching and so uh, had been so paralyzing and yet so humanly accurate to life, the way we feel. And I was 
very ministered to by this letter that came completely out of the blue, in a way ministered to the borderland. And Pastor Brad yesterday at Story Life ministered to the borderland. It's almost too much. You almost kind of imagine when you live in that borderland, you you might not get back. You know, you you, you might pop over. You you might fall over the other side of the borderland, and. Um, fall into quicksand and never get out. And the power of uh, McEwen is that. Well, that's really all I wanted to say. And if you want to get a feeling from McEwen, watch Joanna. I'm not endorsing the morality of it. It's a, uh, And there's one scene that is, uh, you almost could call it concretely or palpably or explicitly atheistic, although it's somehow very touching because of the, the McEwen music that's in the background of, of Donald Sutherland's kind of um, soliloquy that he delivers to uh, to Joanna, who's kind of wide-eyed, innocent, but not innocent, and uh, open, though, to what he has to say. <clears throat> it's the McEwen music, <clears throat> or the movie um, uh, Me, Natalie, which is really dumb, especially the, the makeup that they forced Patty Duke to uh, apply uh, the, to her teeth. You'll see. And uh, it's such a cliche. And Lisa, bright and dark, do not see that. <laughs> it's too close to home. I mean, there's a scene at a prom that, that is, is so painful. Uh, it's sort of Carrie, C-A-R-R-I-E, but without the supernatural. And yet it's very touching. The, the end of it is very touching. That actress, Lenz, wasn't her last name? L-E-N-Z, Lenz. The, the, um, the resolution is so touching. Not very realistic, but in the feeling it is. So you um, are not very realistic, but the feeling is where it counts. The feeling you have of loss, the feeling you have of aloneness, the feeling that you have of no present-day solution. I'm watching someone on Instagram whom I care for kind of <clears throat> breaking down before this person's current physical uh, ailment in light of things that this person has wanted to do, wonderful things and good things, and yet a, <clears throat> a physical distress has sort of negated some wonderful hopes. And I just want that person to hear um, uh, Rod McEwen because he's on the edge. Uh, even in uh, the song that he wrote for um, Lisa Bright and Dark, God enters into it. God makes a highway. God organizes a highway bizarrely and just barely but accurately and truly to an extremely distressed young woman, a teenage girl. And God's highway is marked in uh, Rod McEwen, so it's not without hope. Well, that's my little uh, talk, and this is um, Mary and I got it because we we uh, we'd received a couple of inner vibes uh, as we passed through our fiftieth, which we'll celebrate as a family in a few months. But we were on our own for the actual date for scheduling reasons that were um, absolutely set in stone, and uh, we'll have another celebration soon enough. But the um, the McEwen just went right through me. Okay, let's listen to uh, Rod McEwen. I think I'll play the whole thing. Uh, this is um, I'll Catch the Sun. And uh, listen to his voice. And you'll say to yourself, how could anyone ever record a song with that voice? And yet, and yet, millions of people, oddly enough, including me and maybe Jim, responded. And I hope you do, because it's really very hopeful. Love you. Bye. I'll catch the sun and never 
again I'll catch the sun I'll keep it for my own And in a world where no one understands I'll take my outstretched Comes along and tells me he's in need of love, in need of hope, or maybe just a friend. Perhaps in time I'll even share my son. That new 